What's up, guys? This is Apoorva with Matador Lending. Um, wanted to reach out uh, to my good friend Jimmy Simeon here today, kind of continuing the journey that we've been going on about you know, all the different various real estate investing activities. I've had some great guests in the past, and I'm excited to talk to Jimmy today. He's a good old buddy of mine, um, primarily in the uh, real estate brokerage with Simeon Properties, right. and then um, heavy, heavily has gotten into the, the real estate flipping business. And so I'm excited to talk to mostly about that, but want to hear your journey Jimmy, what's up, brother? It's what's up? What's up, man? He's my H-Town rider die guy. So I, <laughs> I love hanging out with Jimmy. Um, first and foremost, just introduce yourself. Sure. Tell us about your background, what you've been doing, where you're from. Okay. Been in real estate 21 years. Uh, before that, I was in corporate America. I actually worked at Enron in corporate finance. Don't hold that against uh-huh. me. I did not go to jail. Your fault. <laughs> I promise. Yeah, it's all my fault. Was in banking before that. Military kid, but our family's from Houston. Been in the Houston area for the last 37 years. Tripped into real estate after Enron collapsed. Thought I'd do it as a side gig. Grew into something much more than that. Started a national brand in 01. Opened my own office 09. Still have that office. We have about 25 agents. And then kind of as we've done real estate for the last 20 years, you know, doing flipping is, is something that's just come natural and there's some opportunities and access to, you know, contractors and all that. So it seemed like a natural fit. So walk me through the, how, long, how many have you done? When do we start? What was the first one? Let's start with there. Well, the first one was probably five years ago. Older neighborhood. I live in Clear Lake. Is the older neighborhood in Clear Lake, one of the first neighborhoods built. A lot of great homes. A lot of these homes are zoned to Clear Lake High School, so it's desirable in that respect. But the home that I first flipped was originally sold in the early 70s for like $30,000. Wow. We bought it from the original owner, if I recall correctly. She had you know, was moving on. She was older lady. And we ended up, you know, getting in, getting out. And we sold it for about 220. Wow. Um, But we got it for like 140, I think, 137. So what, what, like walk me through real quick how you identified it and said, hey, this is an opportunity. So this one happened to be on market, you know. Mm. Obviously, if you can get a deal off market, you can get, you know, if you can get a house off market, and get get a better deal. This one was on market and it was in rough shape, you know, and the general consumer doesn't want to tackle remodel, especially in today's world with supply chain issues, right. cost of goods being so high. This particular one before kind of cost of goods got out of control. On this particular one, uh, we went in, we offered, we did inspections and we kind of came back and got more of a price reduction because there were some additional things like foundation. So it was a good deal. This house, That house now, if I still had it, we could probably sell over 275, almost 300. Wow. Uh, that's how crazy the pricing gotten out, you know, gotten out of control. But uh, we just did it to get in and get out and quick flip. That's awesome. So like, you know, what is your parameters? Give me like some napkin kind of <laughs> math, an idea of what you're looking for. Everybody's got their own kind of yeah. objectives and goals, you know, for a successful or right. how they define a successful flip. Right. What does yours look like? So someone asked me this question yesterday. They were like, well, well, how much, you know, well, one of my agents in my office, her and her husband want to buy a flip. So I went to, the, went to the house and met him, you know, because they know I do flips, obviously. And, and he asked me, well, well, what kind of percent are you looking for, right? So I'm not going to be the traditional guy that's, you know, well, this plus this plus this. It's I'm, I'm a little more of a swag, and here's why. A, I'm making money on the buy if it's a non-market house because right. I'm an agent. I'm not charging myself a commission on the sale, so I've already got money I've made there. Yeah. I've got a competitive edge on pricing, even though everybody has access to this, but if, if I buy something that's in my backyard, I'm really hyper-local on pricing and no 
I can push it. But to answer your question, I would say we'll use, okay, we'll use one of the deals we just closed on last week. We picked it up for 205. Okay. Probably going to list it for anywhere between four and 425. Nice. In my mind, without doing percentages, I'm doing this one with Joe. You talked about Joe earlier before we started. One of your agents. Yeah, one of our agents in the office. So we're allocating about 120 to the deal. Okay. So then now we're at 325. Yep. Now, so I'm I'm building costs plus rehab. So now if I go out, if we go out at 425, I got a hundred thousand spread between my all-in yep. and that. Now I gotta pay another agent three percent sure. plus another, you know, we'll call it two percent. So five percent cost to get out. That's a pretty big spread. Yep. Now some people are like, well, you know, sometimes we may make 50, sometimes we may make 40, sometimes we may make 60, maybe we we got unlucky. We made 30. Right. The question is, how much time did I spend on the house? We, because of our contractors, which is kind of one of our other competitive advantages, is we can get in and out very quick. So I'm very big on velocity of money. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, turning around your capital, you know, at an efficient pace is I mean, one of the root fundamentals of like right. investing. Right? right. The faster you can churn it, right. the higher return you're going to get over right. time. Cycling the money three, four times a year if you can. Exactly. It's awesome. So like, you didn't build this, you know, team of great contractors, all this stuff overnight. Right. How have you assembled it? You know, you probably got everybody under the sun, I yes. would imagine. Walk me through what your team looks like. So first off, you know, the team kind of came together over the years by virtue of our real estate transactions, mm-hmm. right? So we're out there with, you know, our buyers and sellers and some of these contractors we come in contact with. So like our painter, Oscar. Oscar came to us through one of our agents who used him during Harvey because her house got flooded. So we've got Oscar as our painter. We've got an electrician. We have a plumber. We have a roofer. So, and we're not, we're, we're cutting out the middleman. We're not going retail to the big company down the street. Right. No disrespect to them. They do great job, but you can't make a living when they've already marked it up 30, 35, 40%. Sure, sure. So we're dealing with the guys who are actually doing those jobs. The, the real trades. The real trades, right. So it's just been accumulation over the years where we, we came across a relationship. We liked how they operated. And so this is who we use. And they and the, the funny thing is the reason it really works well is they now all know each other. Okay. Yeah. And actually some of the guys came from our painter Oscar anyways. Yeah, yeah. So they, they already knew each they've other. They've got friends in the in the, Correct. In the trades, right? So the coordination is key, right? To getting in and out of the fa- house fast. And so you hear, you know, good and bad stories of working with subs, right? right. Sometimes there's not necessarily an always a professional like sure. point of contact, Correct. right? And so how do you protect yourself? Like, you know, I've heard people getting scammed left and right sometimes. So Oscar's my point of contact. So okay. so the gentleman so I was re- main. Yeah, so he's he's my point of contact and I go through Oscar. All my guys aren't English speaking. Oscar is Spanish speaking. Got it. And so he's the go-between. But I mean, I use Google Translate and stuff like that sure, too. Sure. But, but basically, you know, they all like to say I'm the jefe and then... He's the FA too, but we kind of have a hierarchy. So it's me, then Oscar, and then everybody else. And so ultimately, he is my safeguard. You know, even when we're bidding and stuff, they will text him and say, hey, here's the bid. Right. So like indirectly, he's like your execution partner. Correct. Right. Absolutely. And so you obviously, you know, one takeaway for me is like, you know, as you cycle through these contractors and, and trades to get a project done, if you're not doing right by them from the get-go, you lose allies, right? 
Pay your contractors. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is slow pay your guys. Right. Because right now we literally have four houses. That's a lot. They're working on three of them. One, we still have a tenant living in there until July 31st, but we've already closed on it. We have three houses. And so every morning, one of my first phone calls is with Oscar. Now he has his own jobs, obviously, right. but uh, we're, we're, we coordinate with him. And that's part of what makes this all work is, is doing that. Let's unpack what you said. You got four going on right now, right? Right. What does capacity look like? Like, how do you figure out like, hey, I'm overstretching Who's, myself or obviously there's a capital part, sure. right? But like right. also just, you know, each flip, more brain damage. Right. Oh, yeah. Once, yeah. That's a lot, you know, right? It it's means, exponential. I, yeah, Oscar and I joke about this all the time. It's like, you know, our brains are blowing up every day just because there's so much going on. Look, here's the thing. Every house doesn't have everything going on at the same time. Right. Okay, so we've got one house that we just bought last week. It's literally been demoed, and actually they're doing more demo today. But we already have the foundation done. We already had certain things that can be done on, that need to be done on the front end. Usually we start with the roof and the foundation, and then we work our way from there. We have two other houses that are probably at the 75% mark. So Oscar knows how to move his guys around. We know, oh, a plumber needs to be over here today. Electrician needs to be over here today. So even though they work well together, we try to, it is literally a puzzle piece. You know what? We need to go over here today because this electrical work needs to be done before this sheetrock work is done. So that's, that's kind of our morning meeting. And is that, are you kind of the lead project manager? On this stuff, are you quarterbacking it as Oscar? So it's both, right? I mean, like, you know, Oscar will say to me, look, wherever you want us, and I'll say back to him, well, what works for you? Like, if Availability. Right. So at the end of the day, if I need this house done, he goes to that house. So yesterday, he was going to work on a particular house, and I was like, well, let's go over to this one. It's also 75% done because we possibly have a buyer for that, and we'd Mm -hmm. like to get it done. Got it. And she's a cash buyer. So your exits also dictate, or potential of Potential. Yeah. could dictate this correct well. and i mean it's rare that we have somebody already lined up before right. we close but it happens to be an agent in our office yes. who's a cash buyer right and that's definitely one of your unfair advantages yes i wouldn't say unfair but like you have a huge edge of running a real estate business right alongside your flipping business correct right and you know much like yourself kind of dipping my toe in too many things but I, what i found is as long as they're complementary businesses right it doesn't feel overwhelming. Correct. And, you know, you're you're trying to run a pizza franchise right. one day and real estate the next day. Sometimes my outfits change, though. You know, yeah, of course, uh, of course. You know, I, I get up sometimes in the morning if I get up early enough and I go look at job sites, which I generally, by the way, like to keep my job sites close. Right. I don't want to drive 25 miles. That's good. Every deal. So I live in Clear Lake. We have three deals in Clear Lake. I can get to all three houses in two minutes. Mm. And I have one in League City. And that's 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 interesting in itself because I think you have a, over time, have created a deep knowledge of your neighborhoods sure. and your market. Right. And you can see things from a different lens than if I try to go and flip in Clear Lake, right. I'd be a lost puppy. Right. right. That's huge. I'm going to take a step back for a second. Where did you learn these skills of construction because there's so many layers in each category electrical plumbing foundation so as an agent what is part of our process for our clients inspection reports right so what ends up happening is i mean i've probably looked at thousands of inspection reports whether they were mine and my clients or they were agents in my office or on my team so literally 
I've gone through these things. I know what comes up on inspection reports. I know what an inspector is going to call, point out, whatever the case may be. So that's part of it. And then it's also just the way I'm wired. I'm a builder in my brain, right? Mm -hmm. So I like to take, you know, our new thing is we like to take something old and make it new. Right. Right. So if you really think about how a house is constructed, I mean, I'm not a builder by any means, but really break it down. You know, here's a slab. Here's, you know, you got your framework. You've got brick veneer. You got roof, insulation, the whole nine. So, but mainly I picked up a lot of it from inspection reports. You know, a lot of agents blow through their inspection reports just trying to get the deal closed. If I were recommending something as an agent you wanted to flip, learn along the way as an agent by going through your inspection reports. That's that's great strategy. So do you feel like, in your opinion, a good move for somebody new would start by being an agent? Or do you, you don't no, you don't have to. I don't think you have to be an agent. I just think that if you're I mean, for me it just worked out that way, right? I just was an agent right. and then it just was a natural progression and we kind of run parallel with that. I think you can do it without, but you might need to do a little more, you know, learning about houses, right? Right. Learning about roof types, learning about electrical, you know, old houses tend to have aluminum, copper in current day. If you're flipping an aluminum wire house, what do you need to do? Right. Right. There's, there's resolutions for that without rewiring the house, you know? So those are things we pick up along the way. So you don't have to be an agent. Let's just leave it at that. But if you're not going to be, you should, you know, always be sharpening your skills on a house and what is it comprised of. So you've had quite a few flips under your belt at this point. Obviously, Brandon, some horror stories. It's inevitable, right? Maybe you get lucky once or twice, but there's always something. It doesn't have to be like a nightmare scenario, but it could be speed bumps that were not anticipated. So first, let me start off by saying, if you're going to do a, a flip, get it inspected, especially if you've not been a real estate agent and you don't know what inspectors are looking for. Have I bought homes without inspecting them? Absolutely. I do generally know what I'm looking for, but there are times you come across things that are underground. Right. Like the broken walls. sewer lines yep. that, yeah. you, that you have no idea about. Right. Uh, horror stories. I mean, the house we just bought last week, we didn't discover what looks like to be a, a collapsed sewer line. That's why I brought that up. So that's now a cost that we didn't factor in right. where we're already spending $7,000 on plumbing work because we're repiping the house because it was built right. in 72. The house around the corner from that one, it's not a horror story, but it's first time I got into permitting, the garage slab was collapsed, Oof. which we knew that. There was no rebar in the, the concrete from when it was poured in 1965. So the best way, I mean, we could have probably cut that out and worked around. We tore the whole garage down and we tore down, or we took out all the concrete and we tore down the sunroom. Well, to rebuild it, the horror story is city permitting. Luckily, we had a lady who helped us with the permitting. But before we hired her, what I would say is have someone who knows what they're doing with the permit department. Yes. Because we try to get a permit with another person. It took him three weeks to get a permit to pour our driveway. Ugh. But the lady who helped us for the rest of it, she was generally getting them in two or three days. Wow. Yeah, I mean, so. the permitting process, when you start hitting code requirements Correct. and code corrections and Correct. things like that, it's a maze. Right? Oh, and, and some of the stuff, like like the house built in 65 on Seagate, the roof overhang was in the five-foot easement. Oof. Oh. So guess what? On the new one, they made us cut it back. Mm-hmm. Even though if we had not torn down the garage, it would have stuck out into the air, visually on, into the aerial. They made us cut back the overhang flush with the edge of the garage. I mean, stuff you don't, you can't, you don't know until you're right. way down the, yeah. the road. Yeah, yeah. So, stuff. 
I mean, it's little stuff. So we haven't had really any horrible, horrible stories. I mean, we've seen some gross stuff. I mean, on some of this cast iron piping and stuff, we took a picture the other day, all the sediments that were in the line, it was so clogged up that nothing would drain. Mm. We've seen some gross stuff, though, but nothing over the top, you know, foundations. Everything can be fixed, right? Just at a price. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if I was a new non-real estate experienced investor Mm. and I wanted to get into the action, right? what would be your advice to somebody like that starting from zero? Like... Day one. So, you know, there's all these classes out there and stuff, and I've never taken a class. uh, And I'm sure there's plenty of people who teach great classes. Right. But what I would say is latch yourself on to someone locally if you can. And I'm not suggesting a real estate agent. I'm just saying if somehow you can create a relationship with someone and maybe you pay them for their time, maybe you pay them a small consulting fee. You know, my cousin, you know, he and I talk about this all the time. I told him I'd be happy to help him out. Obviously, he's a family member. But what I'm saying is you need to learn with someone boots on the ground. Textbook is all great. Mm -hmm. We can open a book. We can listen to a seminar. But execution is a different story. So I would say boots on the ground, try to find somebody in your area, you know, that you can take the lunch, pick their brain. But remember, their time is valuable. Right. So uh, whether you're willing to compensate them or whatever the case may be or uh, give them the help on a deal, maybe you pay them a consulting fee. But, you know, make sure they have a proven track record. It's great. And, you know, I'm going to add on to that because I think that's that's a huge takeaway. I have a good friend now who's I recently learned from has started elevating in similar business that I'm in. And right. I asked him the same thing. I was like, hey, so where, you know, where are you getting right. all this knowledge from? And he's like, no, no, no. Like, for example, there was a guy that wrote a book on a business that he was getting into. Right. He cold messaged the author right. and said, hey, can right. you be my mentor? Right. What check can I write you right. to learn from the best? Right. And they were receptive. Right. So don't be afraid to hit... You know, the top knowledge base thinking uh, this is not an accessible person, right? So, I mean, just, you know, to add on to what you're saying, I think, you know, that's great advice, right? Especially if you don't know anything. Absolutely. They'll keep you safeguarded through the rails a little bit, right? Now, I've had people reach out to me. A gentleman I know right now, he's in home sales. You know, my first slip I ever did, he came to the house. He just wanted to see. And if people just want to come and see, come and see. Now, one visit is just kind of telling you what's going on. To learn the process, you got to kind of be there at different intervals to right. see how we make our decisions and stuff like that. But I've had people come to the house, just ask me if they can just kind of see, and I'll spend time with them. You know, Walk I think it's important. Yeah. Just pass that information on. You know, a little more tactical, like how do you keep up with, because um, I've seen your flips, they're beautiful, right? How do you keep up with like the kind of up and coming trends, what's going on mm. in the neighborhood, the aesthetic? Right. Obviously, again, the real estate right. brokerage side right. helps, but like things change, right? right. And styles change, looks change. Great so, floors are probably finally kind of sunsetting yeah, in a new, I mean, new so, direction. So it's funny you say that. So I'm not a design guru. In fact, well, one thing that's been helpful is that I'm in real estate, so I know what looks bad, right? Right. I may not be able like this. This is a beautiful office here. This is beautiful. Like I wouldn't be able to pick this. So A, I do watch some HGTV. B... <laughs> One of the agents I flip with in our office, she helps. So obviously on our deals, she she does the design facet. Right. So her name is Chelsea. Joe and I do deals and Joe and I are not design gurus. So she helps us on that, right? And it's whether you go on Wayfair and buy lighting, whether you go to some of these websites, you know, Amazon, a lot of times it's just Wayfair and Amazon. Got it. You don't have to get crazy. I mean, they have 
way more selections. But between us kind of knowing in the real estate world and some design help, like from her in this situation recently on on our more recent flips, collectively we get it done. Uh, we pay attention to the trends though, whether it's houses that we show, whether it's HGTV, whether it's going online, you know, what's the paint of the year this year? In fact, we switched to paint color last night on Oscar. Mm. He'd already bought the paint. Oh man. It's a paint that everybody knows. It's agreeable gray. It's a Sherman Williams paint, but we switched it completely uh, to a higher end paint and um, we think it's going to work better. And, you know, it'll cost us the paint, but sometimes you just make those decisions. So to answer your question, it's kind of a, a collective thing, but I'm not overly gifted in picking right. things out. Yeah. So a lot of times I have help. And recently, like I was saying, uh, Chelsea has a good flair for that. And Joe, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to tease him, but Joe's not a designer. I'm somewhere <laughs> in between. So. so my takeaway is, you know, if, if you don't have the skill sets or maybe you have a single lens of style. Right hires a professional interior yeah. designer. Uh, well, and actually I, I did that about four years ago. I'm glad you pointed that out. A friend of mine um, at the time, she came to Florin Decor. Hmm. I paid her a flat fee and she picked out all the tile and everything for me. Oh, that's awesome. She probably spent an hour in there, maybe. Right. I don't think she had visited the house. Maybe she did. I can't remember. Maybe she did. But again, it's a time thing, right? So whether you pay that person $500 for two, two hours of time, you're thinking, why would I pay $500? That's $250 an hour. No, don't look at it as $250 an hour. Right. Look at the $500 you just spent giving that person is going to maybe make you ten or 20000 more right. because Absolutely. their design is better than your design. Absolutely. It makes it more appealing. And Correct. You can command a premium for the property. So walk me through some exit strategies. Is it always going to be a flip? Has it always been flips? Do you hold anything? So lately, it's just all been flips. Okay. I, I, you know, working towards buying and holding. Yeah. And actually, people always ask me, what should I do? I tell them buy and hold. Right. Flipping isn't for everybody. You've got to be very organized. you got to have very good crews. Yeah. So we do have these competitive advantages, whether it's we're realtors and that saves us on commission, whether it's that we have contractors that we work with on a consistent basis who know us can call them at any time. So flips are what we're doing now. But if I were recommending to people, I would probably own rentals yep. and do some flips. But again, flips can be emotionally tough. If you're, if you're not organized and you lose your shit, excuse my French, yep. Yep. If, you, if you lose your stuff too easy, right. you, you got you to keep it all in, in line. Yeah, it's very, I mean, there's a lot of mental stress. You've got money on the line. It, you're writing checks all the time. I write checks all the time. Yeah. I mean, Oscar said yesterday, man, you write so many checks. I said, I know. Yep, yep. And so, like, you know, one thing, I, you know, we don't have to expand on it today, but, like, one major challenge if you're constantly flipping is deal flow. For real. Right? You've got to constantly be getting another deal on deck as mm -hmm. you're starting to exit the next one. You keep that mm -hmm. money cycling like we we're talking That's about. Right. Do you have any strategies for sourcing that, you know, are unique? You said you found one on MLS on on market, which is that is a great place. Right, it's but tougher. it's a place everybody's at. Right, yeah, right. There's no secret there, but yeah. So again, our competitive advantage is just uh, being in the market. Uh, mentioned Chelsea earlier. She had a client. She put in a neighborhood in Clear Lake. His house he had inherited. Hmm. and uh, his dad had bought it. I think maybe his dad was the original owner or close to an original owner, and it had a lot of deferred maintenance, hmm. and he was just kind of over it. So he buys this other house, and uh, Chelsea had put out there, hey, look, we can buy this too. So that's the other thing. Our agents are equipped to know that, hey, if your house is in such condition that it's really not marketable, 
Mm-hmm. Our broker will buy your house, yeah, right? We do like now we don't we don't buy people's houses to bail them out so they can just go buy another house, you know. But we will f- we, we we will fill a need for them solving a real problem, right? Solving so, a real problem. So in this case, on this this house I was referring to in Seagate that we tore down the garage, we gave him an offer, and um, you know he's he's able to move on. He's in his other house. He had already bought his other house. So as far as to answer the sourcing question. We really get them from everywhere, right? Uh, the videos that we do or that I do sometimes where I'm standing out there sweating and this, that, and the other, really, you'd be surprised. We get people say, I remember early on, I had two people call me. My mom needs to sell her house. It was Channel View House. You actually did the funding on it. Mm-hmm. We bought it for like 85. It was right before COVID, and we sold it for like 185. Mm-hmm. Costs back then were a lot less three years ago, four years ago, three years ago. So sourcing... Off market, it's just people kind of know. I know a lot of investors send the cards out. You're, you know, I'll buy your house for this. I don't really do all that. That's just more money I got to spend. Yeah. Um, I guess if I was doing volume of twenty houses at a time, maybe. But you know, we're we're at four right now. Uh, looking at another one that just came up today that Joe just pointed out at lunch. So it's anywhere and everywhere. But we personally don't do farming per se. We just use our social media and people kind of know and they will come to us. So like takeaways there are, A, you have a a network that knows what you do. Correct. Right. And how you stay in front of them, obviously social media constantly kind of showing your work to the world and people know, hey, if, if I know a friend or family member or somebody in my sphere that has, you know, a distressed situation or a situation they need to get rid of their property. Hey, I know somebody to call, right? Right. Um, that solves that yeah. on a regular basis. That's great. I mean, you know, sometimes it's just being beating a loud drum, right? That's, of what you do and what you're about. And absolutely, actually, the one we have in League City uh, that gentleman was going to lose in foreclosure. Someone who knew them told someone else that knows me, mm-hmm. and called me. That's awesome. And foreclosure was next Tuesday. We wrote we wrote the contract up on Monday. Closed it on Friday. Foreclosure was Tuesday after, and so we saved it before. Wow, that's awesome. And then just as a sidebar, if you want people looking for you, you can pay them a finder's fee. True. So that gentleman, I paid him a finder's fee at closing. Or just real estate teams. Or right? that too. That had an eye for it, right? Yeah. Simeon Properties, they have a great yeah, team. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, they have a lens because of you. Right. Right, on, hey, this is what good outcomes look like. Correct. On a regular basis, right? right. So where are you going with this? What's next? Well, ironically, out of doing all of this, uh, we're getting ready to open a construction company. Oh, it's awesome. Makes sense. So um, we've got all the contractors. We hear horror stories about uh, we're working on a gentleman's house on Taylor Lake. His house flooded two and a half years ago when we had the, the freeze. Mm. And he had some contractors take advantage of him. What I'm getting at is, is again, by being in people's houses already, we're finding that they need contractors. Mm. So uh, I just recently created a construction company. Uh, so it's officially open, but, uh, you know, we've got to do our website and stuff like that. So, you know, I just kind of walk by faith, not by sight all the time. <laughs> you know, I'm probably a little less, you know, engineer-like, even though I'm a finance major. I don't always put pen to paper. So we've got Simeon Properties. We're doing the flipping. We do the flipping in different entity names, sure. you know, yeah. LLC. There's not a brand. Though. Right. So there's no yeah. brand there. And the Simeon construction is really something that we see a need for, and especially since people are selling fewer homes, right? Right. So guess what? They're selling fewer homes because they got a 3% interest rate, but they are improving their home. Right. Right. 
Absolutely. You know, kind of on that note, I was going to ask you a little bit about kind of your your crystal ball into the market right, right. now. It's weird times. We were right. talking about that before we started recording. Like, it's it's going to be a weird another 10, 12, 24 months. months we don't right. know, right? right? A, I think you're doing a great service to the community just by simply creating inventory that did not exist. Correct. You know, in, in good, desirable neighborhoods, right. it's hard to get in. Just like you said, people that got low rates, they're not motivated yeah, to move, right. nor should they be. Right. So then every so often, though, there's a challenged property in a neighborhood. People like yourself come in and create inventory. Right. And, and what we're seeing on our flips, because, and, and I'm not saying this because it's us, but I will say it, we do a quality job. And yeah. what's happening is it's actually driving the price up. That makes sense. So it's helping everybody. Joe and I just sold one in Pearland, in Springfield, you know, we got this house for two forty with our own commission. We got it for like two thirty something. Uh, we sold it for four hundred. Mm-hmm. When we ran comps, it was three eighty five. Now Joe's a Pearland guy. Joe's like, we can get four hundred. I'm like, okay, we got four hundred. Wow. So, and that house wasn't an old house, but but these ones in Clear Lake, sixty five. Uh, Chelsea and I just did one. We sold it for three eighty. A nurse coming from Tennessee. Right. She bought it sight unseen. Her sister works for HGTV. Her sister comes down from Austin, looks at the house and gives it the seal of approval. That's awesome. Uh, So so it's a good stamp. Yeah, that's a good stamp. So and she's a very nice lady. She helped us with some other design stuff. But at the end of the day, what we're able to do because we do such a quality job or the contractors do such a quality job and we're picking the things that people like, we're able to actually to push the price push the value, yeah. uh, because there's less inventory right now. What we're seeing is, is multiple offers on these things. Yes. So give me the crystal ball. You know, it's rates are high. Demand is wishy-washy, right? A lot of consumers on the right. sidelines because it's unaffordable. Right. But what are you, what are you seeing? Man, you know, we had a meeting in the office the other day. I'm very much thinking in my area, it's very hyper-local, right? Right. So, you know, we're in this huge city, fourth largest city in the country. Some say we're on the verge of being the third largest. I don't know. Right, right. Fourth largest city in the country. So I can't speak for Katy, Woodlands, and, you know, Westview and River Oaks, you know, and these places. But what I will tell you is in Clear Lake, I don't see the demand going down. I just see that if you have a quality home, you're going to get multiple offers. And even the ones we're not flipping, we're, I mean, across all price points, right. we're getting four and five offers on the nice houses. The dogs are sitting there a little longer. So Cristobal is uh, probably hyper-local. If you put a good product out and there's a lack of inventory, there's still buyers because life happens. Yeah. My neighbor just texted me on the way over here. They're thinking about having a fourth child. Guess what? They need a bigger house. Right. Right. So, yes, people aren't going to move because of rates, but people do move because life happens. Yeah, necessity. Absolutely. Correct. Whether it's, you know, retirement, moving to homes, whether it's downsizing, upsizing, there's a scenario. And we're, you know, we're not in a small town in the middle of nowhere where there's very few people coming and going. It is, there is always someone moving here for some reason. It doesn't even have to be traditionally like oil and gas and just healthcare. It's other stuff. I mean, what I, my, my takeaways are, first of all, Jimmy and I, I, I utmost respect for you as a, as a business Appreciate leader. Appreciate it. You right? too. You too. You always kind of keep my wheels turning every time we meet, and that, that's always a good sign, right? But, you know, A, I think what I love about you specifically is you learn by doing. Mm-hmm. Not a, Maybe not a book guy all day long, when no. it's, and nothing wrong with that. I'm very yeah. similar, right? But, tactile. like, just yeah. get your hands dirty, right? right? Roll up the sleeves, right. and there's stuff that a book will never tell you. right. 
when you start doing it that way. It's like college. I mean, I went to college. You went right. to college. Right. I have a degree. I mean, and that's great, you know. But you know what? Some of the richest people around didn't go to right. college, right? Correct. So, you know, if I if I knew at 53, I mean, if I knew at 25 what I know at 53, I'd be a lot further along. I, man, I'm telling you. Give me some words of wisdom to wrap this thing up. I appreciate the time as always. Uh, incredible journey. Can't wait to see where you are. We're going to do this again in another a- year or two. Abs- absolutely, man. Um, I would say just do what you're passionate about, right? I mean, I'm passionate about real estate. Who would have thought, right? I mean, I go to college. I get a degree in finance. You're thinking like, what are you going to do? Financial banking, which is what I was doing. But there was always this entrepreneurial spirit in me. And a lot of people have that. Right. You know, everybody likes something, right? I didn't think I was going to be a realtor to start out with. 100% commission. Oh, no, shoot me. Like, I needed right. a check every two weeks. But the reality is that check every two weeks was very limiting, right? Right. So until I got laid off at Enron and was forced, I would that just was trigger, I, that yeah. was the trigger, right? You can crawl up in your bed and die, or you can get up and say, you know what, what am I gonna do? So I didn't think it was gonna get to where I'm at. I just thought I'd be a real estate agent working at, you know, at the time a national brand. But do what you're passionate about, do what you like. Uh, and I live in Clear Lake for last I've lived in Clear Lake for the last 37 years. That's my neighborhood. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, when we're flipping these homes, I don't want to half-ass it. And I, I don't know if we can cuss on this. Sorry. You're for, totally fine. We'll um, do the beeps. No, okay. No, you're fine. I, I don't want to half-ass it because at the end of the day, that's a Simeon Properties or a Jimmy Simeon product. Right. Right. I don't want people to say, oh, man, his flips are horrible. So we probably go to the extreme sometimes. Yeah. So follow your passion. Uh, do it the right way. Take care of your contractors because they are the lifeline. Absolutely. You don't pay those guys. Guess what? Yeah. I Your mean, project's going to come to a screeching halt. That is the spine of your outcome, right? <laughs> like you're either going to have, you know, a great mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. And, a, and a beautiful product right. and a desirable home right. or challenge after challenge after yeah. problem. And, you start, and all that costs money and time, right? And, and that's the part people don't see. You can cut off your nose to spite your face. You know, people are just looking at what this is going to cost. I look at time yep. and my return in Two months. The quickest flip we ever did was like 70 something days from close to close. That's awesome. And so anyways, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I would say. You know, you've been, uh, I got to tell you, every time I look at some of your stuff online, I'm like, man, Perver's getting it. Perver's getting it. Like it's a motivator, right? And that's the other thing. Surround yourself. And I know it's an old saying, you know, surround yourself with, you know, don't be the smartest guy in the room and all these other things. But there is something to be said for that because even myself, I live in a bit of a bubble and I have to look out across the horizon and I see a perver over there. And, and even if I don't see you physically, like haven't seen you in months or a year right, or whatever, right. you know, you're like, man, a perver's out there doing it. It kind of keeps you motivated. So, so have those people around you yeah. that kind of push you a little bit out your comfort zone. Love it. Jimmy, appreciate it. No, nah, man, you're the man, we're, we're baby. Stay in touch. You're the man. You. Appreciate Thank you, big you. dog. Yeah, we'll talk again soon. Okay, Thank sounds you guys. good, man. Appreciate Thanks. it.